Okay. 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 Do you want the word this morning? About three of you. All right. Okay. I'm, I, I, this I've been percolating on for a while, so I, I don't think that that preparation needs to be wasted. So I am going to launch into this and uh, I will fly. Father, I thank you right now that uh, this is what you're saying to us and I know that you are in this morning. So many wonderful stories of your goodness, of people taking it to the streets. And I thank you that you empower me this morning to say what you want me to say and that people catch it, even though we are going to go at Mac 5. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and he healed every disease and sickness. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's something that Jesus did that actually modelled for us some things that we can do in our lives as well. And I'm going to share five things that Jesus modelled for us, and I'm going to uh, just briefly touch on each one. The first thing that Jesus did was, and we can see from this passage, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues. Jesus actually went out. He didn't stay in the synagogue waiting for everybody to come to him. He went out. He went out because he loved people and he was working for a cause. And as he went, he spoke, he encouraged, he strengthened. As he went out, he reached out, he lifted up, he healed, and he restored people. Wherever Jesus went, he shared about the Father, about life. He told people about the purpose for his life and for his death. And this is not a one-off event. Jesus didn't do this just once and then that was it. Jesus, for him, it was a complete lifestyle of going and sharing his faith about the kingdom of God, about what was happening, that the Father was doing the purpose of his life. It was an, a lifestyle that Jesus lived. Uh, Jesus talked about um, his, his whole life. That, that, that It was all about, like well, you can see this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. He went from village to town. He went from city to city to seek and to save those that were lost. Uh, he may not have said it like this, but it's almost like Jesus' his life is going, he goes into a village and he says, are there any lost people here? And I think that sometimes we've got to have that same sort of understanding that, you know what, uh, we don't stay at home and then expect the world to come to us. We go to work, we go to do the shopping, we go and play and stuff, we go to the park run, we do whatever we, we do in our world and we actually go out and do what we're doing. It's a lifestyle for us. That's our lifestyle. And I think that sometimes all we've got to do is to, uh, to just, just be naturally 
sharing our faith with people. People have no trouble in sharing what's happening in their world, about what's going on and what's important to them and, and things of that nature. So I don't think that we should be reticent or re- uh, reluctant to share uh, the things that we are passionate about and the things that mean something to us as well. The, the, we, know, we, we may not say it when we go to the shops, but maybe if we had in, in the back of our mind saying, are there any lost people here? Are there any lost people as we go to work that we're working with? When we go into a a social function with people or we're just going for a walk or whatever, the question in the back of our mind needs to be, is are there any lost people here? And Father, what would you like to say to them? I think that what Jackie said is an amazing thing in her testimony, just getting this inner push to to share something to say something would you like to receive jesus every indicator on the outside is saying you've got to be kidding why on earth would you ask a question like that these people are saying they don't want anything to do with jesus they don't want anything to to, because they've been maybe experienced church in some way shape or form in some but then she just asked the question would you like to receive jesus and they say yes like push me over with a feather how many people, you know, sometimes if we just followed that intuition, that, that prompting, that, that thing that the Spirit of God is saying to us, is, you know, like if we just ask the question. Ask the question. Ask the question. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring life and to release, release life to those around him. Jesus didn't just heal people or talk to them about the kingdom of God on a Sunday. He healed people, talked to them about the Father every day of the week. This was not just a Sunday event that happened. It's not okay just to talk about the Father or the kingdom things on a Sunday. This is our life. God gave his life for us and we are giving our lives for the Father's sake. That's, it's simply getting out there and saying stuff on a regular basis. He didn't confine himself to a service but to a style of living that his whole life shined the message. Mark 16 verse 15 says, Jesus says, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Well, what does our life look like, church? What do we talk about with those around about us? Because I want to tell you right now, we are a mobile, empowered encounter with the love and the grace of God. We are a person who is filled with the Spirit of God, has the Word of God alive within us to go out and to simply share uh, with the people around about us. Here's the thing. We're already on our way into into the workplace, into the streets and into the byways. Let's just naturally share with the, the people around about us. The thing that I noticed about Jesus was that the very reason he actually went out into the community was the second thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus loved. He had compassion on the people. You read this passion, he had, them, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless. See, John 3, 16, verse 17, uh, 16 and 17, talks about the love of God that, that, uh, that Jesus has for the world. He loves people. In, in this, uh, over communion, um, Luke shared so wonderfully about what the love of God really looks like. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son. 
into the world that we might live through him. And it's, this is love, he says. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is like Luke said, it's not just about loving the brothers and sisters that we can you know, come to church together or come to a building together as the church on a Sunday, but we love the people that we live next door to. That's one of the main reasons that we're going to go up to the summit is as we start to pray around. I'm not going to ask you to pray for anything else on that particular day other than, Lord, give me a love for this community. Give me a love for this street. Give me a love for the people that I, I, I live amongst. Give me a love for those people that I work with. Give me a love for these people. See, this is what Jesus had. It says that Jesus went because he loves us. He loves people. He loves those that uh, we live next door, the, the people uh, that we walk past. He loves the people that we shop with uh, and that we get taught by, by or, or employed by. Jesus loved people. It says that he had compassion on them. This is why we're taking the time to talk about things before we head up to the mount uh, to pray over things because we need a revelation of how much Jesus loves the people that we are going to be praying over at some point or praying in the streets of at some point. We need that revelation of God's love. This pa the passage says that he had compassion. This word compassion is a deep visceral thing. It's like a, it's in deep within the, the, the uh, translation actually means that within the bowels, you feel it within the bowels of, of your, uh, your body. You, you, you feel this. This is not something that you just have a, 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 an airy fit, but you feel there's a gut feeling that, you know, you, you've got a, this is the, the love that, that Jesus had for the people. He had this deep love for them. He had it in the pit of his stomach. He felt something deep within him for the people there. He was deeply moved towards them, not away from them. He was engaged to go with them and to, to walk in amongst them uh, for the whole thing. I recently watched a, uh, a movie. Uh, you'll probably find it's very strange for me to watch this movie, but it was called Steel Magnolias. Has anyone ever seen Steel Magnolias? All the girls have put their hands up. And all the guys are saying, yeah, I was forced through that one. <laughs> Steel Magnolias. Sally Field, her character at one part in the movie, now spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if you've never seen Steel Magnolias, at one point Sally Field's daughter passes away. And Sally Field is at the gravesite, and all of a sudden, from deep within her, there is this anguish, this deep, gut-wrenching emotion that rises up within her that's the sort of thing that i'm talking about that's the sort of thing that we have a deep gut-wrenching feeling love being drawn towards the people that we're living in and amongst before we ever talk to people about the father we've got to talk to the father about the people and that first part of the conversation is lord give me a love for these people. Lord, give me an ongoing encounter with you so that I can encourage others to encounter you as well. This, this has got to start with us, church. If, if, you know, we've got to have this love deep within us for the people that we're living in and around. See, Jesus loved people, and we can love people too. 
And the third thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus saw. He saw the condition of people. He saw their true condition. Not only did he see their true condition, but he also saw who they could be. Who they could be. And that's what we need to see as well. That Jesus enables us, not just because of uh, 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 being able to see everything that's wrong with them. Everything that they could do better. Everything that they need to change in their life. Everything that they need to, to be able to do differently. If they approach life differently, then you know, surely that we, we don't need to just see that. We need to see the solution. And Jesus is always the solution. Jesus is always the solution. To every problem, every situation, everything that we come up against, Jesus is the solution. He saw their physical need, but he also saw their spiritual need. That's why he said to the workers, we need to, to bring in the harvest. You know, people say it's so hard to win people to Jesus these days. Well, have you tried? Have you actually asked someone, would you like to receive Jesus? Would you like, because Jesus is just waiting. And we say it's so hard, but how many of us have tried? How many of us actually said to someone? He says that they were like sheep without shepherd. These people were harassed, they're stressed, they're strained, they're they're agitated, they're hassled, they're worried. Uh, Does that sound like anyone you may know? Or or maybe they were helpless. They're stranded, they're destitute, they're abandoned, they're just deserted. Does that sound like anyone you know? Let Let me read you a story. This person says, an amazing event occurred to me one day as a result of discussing something in our connect group. I was already noticing how my listening skills had improved and was eager to keep practicing that. But the task that our connect group had set for that week I was having a little bit of trouble with. It it seemed just a bit daunting. Because what we had to do was to ask someone that we may think is unchurched this question. I've been wondering if you've ever met anyone or experienced anything that made God seem real to you. You're asking this question of a person who is unchurched. This person says, well... How was I going to build up the courage to ask such a question? Who would I ask? When would the opportunity arise? How would that person respond? Then came the opportunity. I was going through the process in my office of expediting an expired passport and a young employee was assigned to help me. She was extraordinarily quiet and seemed very sad as she simply nodded her head and pointed to the computer screen but did not use any words. I finally asked her as kindly as I could if something was wrong. She hesitantly explained that her three-month-old daughter had been left with the babysitter that day, but the babysitter had been late, causing her to be late for work. Tears welled up in her eyes, and it was clear that she was very troubled. As time passed, we worked silently together, and I could tell that she was trying not to cry. While waiting for the computer to process, I decided to try opening the conversation again. I asked her baby's name, and then she comment, uh, then commented on what a beautiful and unusual name that the child has. She showed energy when she started to explain about her daughter's name, that it came from a particular tribe, tribal heritage that her, uh, she has ancestral ties with. 
And she says, uh, if I, uh, I then asked if I, she had a picture of her daughter, and she literally jumped up and hurried to, off to find a picture. Just by asking a few questions and then listening, I could see a change in her countenance. When the lo- next long computer processing pause occurred, and after praying for guidance, I thought of asking her my homework uh, assignment. I explained that I was taking a class and that our homework was to ask someone a question and I wondered if she would mind being the person that I asked and she agreed. Internally, I said, okay, here goes. So I asked her if she ever met anyone or experienced something that made God seem real to her. She paused for a moment to think. Finally, she answered, God did help me once. But unfortunately, I went back to being crushed. Her body language told me that that's all she wanted to say, and we went back to our paperwork. 30 minutes later, out of the blue, she suddenly enthusiastically said, I know, I remember a time, one day a lady came into the store and I was helping her with a passport photo. At one point, she asked if she could pray for me. She placed her hand on the small of my back, and even before she could speak, I felt Jesus and this feeling that traveled up my back into my head. My sinuses problem uh, vanished at that moment. I'd been taking medication, but my sinus problem went away just like that with no medication. From that moment on, she took extra care to talk with me and seemed very happy to guide me through the rest of the three-hour process of renewing the passport. A number of times, though, she mentioned to me softly that she'd been crushed in her life. I was troubled by this, but again, her body language indicated that she did not want to elaborate or to be asked any further questions. That evening, I had to return uh, to the office there to complete the transaction, and my new friend had said that to be sure to ask for her. So when I went back, I, I just simply prayed about this, about this crushed thing, and I was reminded of the scripture out of Psalm 34, verse 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I wrote that verse out in, uh, and, and my contact information in a book and then uh, about grieving and also grabbed a New Believer's Bible. When we got to the, I got back to this store, uh, I saw this woman behind the counter and thought, okay, this is the same person. Is this the same person? Because she was humming. She was singing. She was subtly dancing around as she worked. And then she saw me and said, that was fun today. After my passport business was all wrapped up and I'd offered her the two gifts that I'd brought, explaining what they were, she took them and a warm smile and a genuine thank you spread across her face. I believe that God led me through that day to touch this woman's life the way that Jesus touched the lives of people around him that he encountered. And I'm convinced that now this young woman has yet another example of God being made real to her. And it all became about because I saw her as she was, but I knew that there was a solution for her problem, and that solution was Jesus. What a powerful story. Just being able to see people. Jesus saw people. He saw them as, as they were, and he ministered to them. He sees them. You know, like we might see them as, as harassed and, and helpless, but God has called us to be, go into that moment and to share Jesus with them. The fourth thing that Jesus did, was that he spoke. He spoke to people. 
He proclaimed the word of God. He taught the word of God. He, uh, he, he told them about his, his purpose in, in life. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to, to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. His, his ways were simple, and his message was simple as well. We, we don't have to come up with a great theological discourse about how you get saved, all you need to do is say, would you like to receive Jesus? And can I lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus to be a part of your life from this moment forward? It's as simple as it gets. It's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. It's simply having the courage to do what we need to do. We need to simply be like the Apostle Paul, who says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5, to 5, When I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Sound like anybody? I'll put my hand up on that one. My message and my preaching, he says, weren't with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. See, this isn't about us. It's about God. It's about God. And the last thing that Jesus did was Jesus acted. He did something. He acted. He engaged with the people around about him. Jesus did something so powerful that we're still talking about it over 2,000 years later, in that he gave his life for people. I'm reminded that as we take this stuff to the streets, because this whole thing is not the, uh, the conclusion on next Sunday as we go up to the Mount Barker Summit. That's the launch. It's not, it's not the culmination of what we're going to be doing. It's actually the launch of what we're going to be doing. Because I'm in, encouraging us all to do something. That we would take the commission, the Great Commission seriously and say, I'm going to go out into the streets that I live in and before I ever speak to someone about God, I'm going to speak to Father about these people. As we walk up and down our streets, simple prayer, Lord, give me a heart for these people. Give me a heart for these people. Give me a supernatural glimpse of your love for these people. So that it sits within me. It rests within me. It's a part of who I am. To love these people in my street. To love the people that I live next door to. To love the people that I'm working alongside of in my employment. Maybe to love the people that I'm, I'm shopping with. Give me a love for these people. But then Lord, that I might uh, uh, share that love with these people as well. Give me an opportunity to share about you and your love for these people as well. See, Jesus went. Jesus loved people. He felt deeply for them. He saw them as they were, but also as they could be. He spoke to them and he acted. And that's everything that we can do as well. We can go to these people. We can have a deep love for them. We can have a deep love for them. We can see them as they are. We can speak up in that moment to them. And you know what? Speaking is not about words. It's sometimes it's, it's the very next thing that we do. It's just simply doing something. We can skip from seeing to straight to doing something for them. 
And that's what God, I believe, is asking us as a church to do in this next season, is to actually step into the moment that we're praying for and to believe that God can use us to see people saved, see people transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and come into a faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I believe that with all my heart. So here's what I'm asking us to do. In this next week, there's five things that will be up on the screen that you'll see that I'm asking us to do. First thing is, decide, number one, that I am going to actually act with 20 seconds of outrageous courage. I'm going to make a decision beforehand to step into the moment. I'm not going to wait until the moment arrives to think, okay, now am I going to say something or am I going to do something? Because by the time we've decided whether we're going to do something or say something, the moment's gone. So what we're saying is before I ever, ever do anything, I'm going to say right here, right now, the first thing I'm going to do is I am going to act with courage when the opportunity arrives. I'm not waiting for the opportunity to come before I make that decision. I'm making the decision right here, right now, that this is what I'm going to do. Secondly, ask the Holy Spirit to do in us first what we're going to ask God to do in the people around about us. If we're wanting people to experience the love of God, then Father, give me an experience of your love so that I can share that with the people. If you're wanting people to encounter God in some way, then ask God to give you an encounter with him so that you can share that with people around about you. Thirdly, ask the Father to give us a heart for the people around us. Fourth, ask for opportunities to engage with those that we meet as we go. And fifthly, take the opportunities that come our way, whether in word or deed. That's what we're leaning towards. That's what we're heading towards as a church. I believe that this is something the Holy Spirit's given to us as a church. It's a strategy for reaching the people around about us. We've got to get into the streets. We've got to get, plow the ground with prayer. Plow the ground with prayer. Plow your street with prayer. Plow your home. Plow your workplace. Plow the streets. Plow like as, as we come together doing the carols. Let's pray that God shows up at the carols and that we see people's lives transformed by the gospel message through the carols. As we're doing the Christmas wrapping, It's an incredible opportunity to be out in the community talking about uh, Christmas uh, at this time. And it's an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ. Because people might ask you, why are you doing this? Why are you wrapping people's gifts? Well, because I've been given the greatest gift of all, and that's the gift of eternal life. It doesn't have to be rocket science. It can be completely simple. On Friday morning, I was at the uh, Mount Barker Business Group. We had maybe... I know 30 or 40 business leaders in the community there again. And uh, the host for that morning um, uh, likes to try and trip me up a little bit every now and again. He does it playfully and and, and mischievously, and that's fine. I don't mind that at all. And uh, he says, uh, to wrap the whole morning up, he says, So Gary, any words uh, of wisdom for the man man upstairs? (laughs) And this completely off the cuff. I said, yeah. He says he's really looking forward to the carols. And he says, oh, that's right, I've got to talk about the carols now. So then I got him to advertise the carols for us. <laughs> Turning around. In those moments, it's just the simplicity. Eight words. He's looking forward to the carols. Seven. 
Seven words. We can get people talking about the carols. We can get talking, people talking about Jesus. Heavenly Father, let's just stand. I'm sorry I've gone over, a bit over time this morning, but I think it's been a great morning. I've been so encouraged by the stories of people being touched by God and being touched by the Holy Spirit and stepping out in their moment of 20 seconds of outrageous, outrageous courage. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're doing. Give us each and every one of us the courage to make a decision to act with courage. That you would, Lord, give us a love for the people around about us. That you would give us opportunity. And that when those opportunities arise, because we've already made the decision to act courageously, that we would speak and act courageously. Father, I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God, it's good. I'm going to actually release uh, everybody this morning right now. Um, Just want to encourage everybody, if you're available for the um, AGM, stick around for that. But uh, if you're really wanting to help us to to connect with our community, come out and help us to set up and to pack up for the uh, Nature Playgroup tomorrow. We would really appreciate that. It takes us all to be able to to do that, um, to get behind it. So if you're available to do that, we would really appreciate that. I hope you have a really great day and a great week. I look forward to next Sunday hearing how God has used you as you decided to act with courage in the moment that came along and see God do something amazing. Amen? Have a great day, everyone. Bless you heaps.